0: I guess if you watch a TV show nowadays, you just assume every single episode is to be continued, to be continued, to be continued from the last episode you watched. It's not like the 80s and 90s where maybe a few times a season there was to be continued at the bottom of the screen and you would go, what? What? A whole week of suspense, To Be Continued, and then the following week, they would remind you what happened last week on Cheers, last week on Growing Pains, last week on Golden Girls, last week on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and you go, oh, I've waited a whole week. I waited a whole week. Here we go, the To Be Continued. Now, they don't have to do To Be Continued. You just assume it's all To Be Continued. Well, this podcast is not that. This podcast is something new and different every week, except for right now. To Be Continued from last podcast. From 210 to 211, I'm back from Denver. Had a good time in Denver. Did I get that MDDS on the flight coming home? Yes, even with all the clonazepam. Came home rocking a little bit, rocking a little bit. And it was at a seven on a scale of one to 10. And it's not just the flight, it's the tram, it's the shuttle, it's the Uber. It's a lot of motion. A day of travel is a lot of motion. And if you have disembarkment syndrome, It's too much motion. It's going to throw off your vestibular system, perhaps even if you're taking pills, even if you're taking meds. And then that night, my wife and I are on the couch and she says, just go outside and start walking around the streets at night look at the furthest star and walk towards it. That's what you got to do. You actually have to stomp your feet and look on the horizon line and just walk towards it. Oh yeah. And keep taking your pills, but I'm tapering off. Now I'm going from 0.5 to 0.25 MG and I'll be all done by Friday. But what's the symptom? Tired, drained, exhausted. You just feel the fatigue. So I feel the fatigue, no regrets. Happy. I went good to see some relatives, but there it is on a scale of one to 10 came back with a seven. Then it went to a five. Then I went to a before, then I went to a two and right now i'm hovering around a one so that's a success story last time on here we go i'm gonna take a flight and then this week i took the flight i'm back it went from a seven to a one i'm good tapering off how you doing welcome in episode 211 what do you know about 211 steel reserve they discontinued it i just googled it steel reserve malt liquor 40s are you kidding Whoever drank a Steel Reserve 211 and did you wonder why is it say 211 on the label? What does it mean? Armed robbery? Is it a police code for committing a crime against someone, a violent crime against someone? Nope, I googled it. I guess it's a medieval term for steel steel reserve and then if you google anything there's all these sub questions that other people have googled and you got to read all the answers and someone said is steel reserve good and the answer was no and then the other question was what does steel reserve 211 malt liquor taste like and someone said syrupy bitter gross and i'm like what am i doing i'm googling too much about something that's been discontinued and no one should drink why did all the grocery stores carry steel reserve 211. Well, this is episode 211, and we're going to jump around because that's where my brain's at. My brain is about to pinball topic to topic to topic to topic, subject to subject to subject to subject. To subject. So many different styles of learners. Have you noticed this? So many different styles of learners. Some people just want to Google and get it quick. They want the Cliff's Notes in life. Give me the spark notes. Give me the brief summary, the concise tweet. That's all I need to know. I'm reading headlines, not the articles. There's a lot of people like that. And then there's some people that like to just examine, deeply explore. I want to explore. I want to read a lot of books on a topic. Watch a lot of documentaries on a topic. I want to watch a TED Talk that drones on and on and on about one singular topic. I don't know who I am every Every day i different some days I just want the information quick concise and other days I'm like I'm down to get deep into the depths and annals of a topic and learn a lot and we all have the options nowadays whatever you want it's available in radio I was able to keep a singular topic alive for like an hour Padres bullpen, what are they going to do? Trade deadline's coming up. You interview someone, you take some calls, you bring your own insight, and then Mm. you just talked about the Padres bullpen for an hour. Can't do it on this show. I can't do it. I'm going to pinball. A lot of my friends in radio used to call me pinball, not because how I was on the air, but off the air. I want to go topic to topic, subject to subject. I just do. There's too much. We don't have enough days on this planet, and there's too many fun things to talk about. So get ready. Buckle up. If you got to stay with me, have a cup of coffee because it's going to go quick today. It's going to go quick. Just like that flight. It went kind of quick. The turbulence shook me a little bit. It went kind of quick. Even the, you don't call them stewardesses anymore. You call them flight attendants. Stewardess. um, a stewardess. No, that's old school. We're changing the names of everything. We're relabeling everything. They are flight attendants. And the flight attendants were quick with the drinks. Usually they're not quick with the drinks. And you always get to listen what the other people are drinking in front of you. The guy in front of me, he said, I'll just have... Tomato juice, no ice. And then the person in the middle said, no, I'm good. Oh, a decline, a rare decline. And then the person on the right said, I'll have water. (laughs) That's snoring twice in the first two minutes of the show. Water, oh, I'll just have water. Look, I know we need it to survive, but let's have some fun on that flight. And then she goes to the row to my left. And the first person says, Sprite. And she goes, seven up, okay? This is a true story, folks. Guy says Sprite. She says 7-Up, okay? And he says no. And their conversation just ended. First of all, does she really have to clarify? Is there a law? I bet there is a law where you can't just pour someone the 7-Up and say, there you go, you dumb fuck. Drink it. It's all the lemon-lime bubbles you need. I mean, do you really know the difference? But he said no. I was not expecting that. And I figured I might never forget that moment. And for you, Sprite, 7-Up okay? No. My sister used to get beef bouillon. How fancy, when she was like 9, 10, 11 years old. They were called stewardesses back then. The stewardess would come up with the drink cart and say to my sister, yeah, something to drink? And my sister would go, heated beef bouillon cubes, please. I went, shit, that is classy. That is a regal order in the air. A lot of people only drink ginger ale in the air. My wife and I usually go coffee because we're not coffee critics. We are not judgmental. We will drink coffee from a donut shop, coffee from Starbucks, Pete's Dunkin' Donuts. Any coffee's good coffee. It's for the effect, folks. It's like Steel Reserve. You're not drinking that for the taste. Coffee on a flight where I get tired because the Benzo's Sprite. Mm, 7-Up, okay. No. How dare you. What's the difference? Advertising. That's all. It's not the taste. This guy, don't give me that, you could tell the difference. It's advertising. The guy likes the logo. He likes the commercials. Grant Hill used to drink it, something, something. You know all advertising is I had this realization. Here's all advertising is. It's telling a customer what something used to cost. But sometimes it's just not true. This is what advertising is. You tell someone they're getting a deal. I was at Marshall's shopping for hoodies. I think I have a hoodie addiction. It's okay. I saw a candle. I went up the Marshall's candle aisle. It smells good, right? I mean, it smells good when you go down the aisle, but if you do the individual smell every candle, you're like, ugh, gross. That's not even close to fresh-baked snickerdoodle cookies. It'll say something like pine, hearst, Magic Sparkle, and you smell it, and you go, oh, God, that's awful. But I saw a candle. I actually picked one up, I saw a candle and it had $48 crossed out and then in big, bold Marshall font. Now $4.99. I saw a candle in the candle aisle at Marshall's. I'll say that again. It said $48 bucks crossed out. Now $4.99. And it smelled like shit, but that's not the point. The point is that was never almost $50. Bucks. It just wasn't. That's advertising. You make people think like they're getting a deal. You throw in another. You sign up here, we're throwing another. No business is giving away deals. You ever thought about that in a capitalistic country? There's no real deals. If you're on a clearance rack, it's because that shit is going to be in a dumpster fire in 10 minutes. And you're like, well, I found a deal today. A shirt for $2.99. That wasn't a deal. That's what they had to sell it to you for. You buy a four ninety nine candle and tell the story, this is actually a $50. No, it was never a $50 candle. I solved advertising. There it is. Most sodas. If you're competing on the Mr. Pibb to Dr. Pepper circuit and you're like, I can tell the difference. Sure, probably you can, but I highly doubt it's the taste that swang you. It's the ad. It's the logo. It's the appeal. It's the deal. Coke and Pepsi even took the color out of the cola. They sold it to you clear in the 90s and people thought that was so cool. Did you enjoy the taste? No, you just thought it was cool. Novelty and gimmicks, bells and whistles, slogans, throwing it at you quickly. And I'm susceptible to all of it as well. Plus, the most powerful thing in advertising is if the herd is going one way, then you got to have it. There are people that don't have iPhones and they're embarrassed. I've noticed that. I've talked to people who don't have iPhones. They have smartphones, Androids or some other brand, and they're kind of like hesitant to tell you. I still have apps. I mean, I still have, you know, a camera on my phone, but it's not an iPhone. Oh, you're embarrassed? Go with the herd. The herd is going in the direction of Apple. Most of us are just sheep at this point when it comes to fashion trends, what you eat, what you drive, where you live, all the comforts surrounding you. It's probably you've seen it before, and then you copied something. It's a style. Who's really an original, unique individual? It's like pinatas. I'm seeing pinatas at every kid's birthday party these days. When I was growing up, you saw a pinata once every three years. You saw a piñata once every three to four years. Actually, I remember the first time I ever saw a piñata. It was scary. I don't know why. It was indoors. I was in San Francisco. This is like one of my earliest memories as a human. Isn't that weird that we have these just like flashbulb moments of like, what are your earliest memories? They're rarely profound, at least for me. Like they're always very random and meaningless, but there was a piñata. It was a San Francisco house I was at. No clue. What was being celebrated? Who was being celebrated? But it was my first time seeing a piñata. And when it shattered, it was all hard candy in there. And it came down hard. And the hard candy was flying. I remember it flew too quick. And I started crying. I didn't cry a lot. I was not a crying kid. But I cried just because someone was swinging a bat at a big old plaster-filled balloon of hard candy. And that was too much. That was a little much. But now it's not much. Kids expect piñatas Every single fucking party they go to. And it's never easy. It's always some dad struggling to hang it. Does anyone know how to do an imperial knot? No, just what are you doing? Get a ladder. Get a harness. On belay, belay on. Someone spot him. That looks dangerous. You hang it. And then you got a bunch of kids. So you got a... Make sure it doesn't shatter on the first. That's There's so many worries, right? Let's make sure the strong kid's not swinging it too quick. It's a clean shot. And all the other kids in line never get to swing the bat. You got to really have so many strategies with pinatas at parties. Now, there's always pinata issues. Issues. There's always pinata issues. And there's never a party without a pinata. And kids love it. And now it's more than candy that pops out of there. By the way, hard candy, parents aren't that dumb anymore. Parents aren't doing hard candy in a pinata. Parents are stupid stuffing it they're stuffing it with toys squishy soft toys and soft gummy candy and then when that shit bursts okay that is a beautiful moment it's a beautiful moment but it's never a smooth process every adult is having anxiety is someone going to get hit is someone going to get too close to that bat is someone going to get embarrassed for not looking athletic enough there's a lot of piss issues pinata issues you know i'm right you think about it now, and you're like, yeah, it's rarely a smooth operation. And why so many piñatas? Because you've been to parties with other piñatas, and the kids now want piñatas at their party, and they think it's part of every party. It used to just be cake. That was universal. It used to just be cake. Now parents are going big. They're going so big. My wife and I even got a cotton candy machine, industrial-sized cotton candy machine, because our daughter said she likes cotton candy. Who are we? Who are Are we the type of parents that are going to let her roll in on an elephant for her quinceanera and do i even know what a quinceanera is if i think my daughter's getting a quinceanera and i am the dad who's dialed in to the day-to-day i like to ask every day what'd you learn at school today and recently picked her up from school and she was talking about planets i said whoa planets this is tk this isn't even kindergarten my daughter named a bunch of planets in a row actually not really she had a hot start. I asked her to do it as best she could, you know, whatever she remembered by 4 p.m. Kids don't remember what they did at 9 a.m. A five year old by 4 p.m. They have no clue what they did all day, but a good teacher, maybe something stick. And she said, Saturn, Earth. And I was like, woo. And then she said, French Earth Day is coming up. And I went, what? Oh, um OK. I was impressed. I rarely correct a five year old. Are you kidding me? Mistakes are too cute. She'll know French is in a planet soon. Do I really need to be correcting her? Actually, no, you didn't say Mercury, Uranus, Pluto. No, she said Saturn, Earth, French, Earth Day's coming up. And I said, you're damn right. That is astronomy or astrology. One of the astros. Oh, shit, I don't know. I heard Neil deGrasse Tyson talk about, he says deGrasse, by the way. Do I say deGrasse? Neil? You know Neil, this famous astrophysicist? who's straight-up entertainment for your brain creases. He'll fill your brain. He talked about education in general, just about how much we forget. We fill so many days with these kids. We do, and we're building literacy and building memories and social skills. It goes way beyond the content, but the actual content, like you could teach World War II probably in nine minutes, but most high school teachers are spending three weeks. You could teach the Vietnam War. Like if I just told you what caused it, Who was in charge, making the decisions, what were the results? I take uh, 27 minutes. Korean War. I could probably teach you about the Korean War in four minutes. But teachers, we stretch it with assignments and videos and collaborative group work and presentations and projects and tests. Holy shit. So Neil was basically saying the world of education is forgetting how much everyone's going to forget. And he proved it with Spanish class. Most people who take Spanish for like, what, one, two, three years? I took it for four years. They're still struggling with almuerzo, desayuno, cena. Which one is lunch, breakfast, dinner? They might be good for a moment, but things just fade. And language is the perfect example of something that fades if you don't use it. But most of the shit they're not using actively. Your math skills. What are your math skills right now? Just simply subtracting the difference of how much you saved with that candle at Marshall's at the grocery store, maybe with some of your finances, but aren't you just using your calculator? What are your science skills? Really? What'd you learn in your science class? Meiosis, mitosis, all those experiments. What'd you, what'd you learn? His point is it's all going to be forgotten. So you got to teach them how to learn the skills of how to think and how to learn. It's way beyond content, how to interact, how to show up in a classroom And absorb because those are the skills you'll take with you for the rest of your life. The type of learner you probably were in fifth grade and 10th grade into college, the type of learner you were, did it evolve or did it plateau? For a lot of people that shit plateaus early and you're always that type of learner. It's weird to think about. Because most people give themselves the self-fulfilling prophecy of this is who I am and this is how I'm wired and I guess it's going to be tough. We could all give kids a pep talk and that's part of teaching, to inspire, to motivate. You can ascend and keep getting better and keep improving. But a lot of these kids are convinced of who they are at young ages. It's a sad part of it. It's a sad part of it. I mean, there's some that are probably always willing to challenge themselves. And today I'm going to be better than I was yesterday, which is a great healthy mindset. But for a lot of people, kids and adults, they're like, this is just who I am. I'm going to stumble through this lifetime in these colors, with these qualities and traits and characteristics, and maybe that'll work out for me in one lane or another. Choose your lane in life. But the point that DeGrasse Tyson was saying is that we got to spend more time in these classrooms teaching them how to think and how to learn and how to grow in those ways instead of the actual minutiae and the content. Hey, debate it if you want. I got to bounce around. I got to bounce around. Saturn, Earth, French. Earth Day's coming up. And guess what? Earth Day wasn't even invented till the 70s. So before that, littering was just fine. It was just fine. People weren't worried about the environment. In the 70s and the 80s, I have no memories of anyone worried about the environment. Maybe it was turn off the water while you're brushing your teeth. Don't take long showers. But where we are right now, taking care of the earth? Oh, shit. That's a new emphasis. Earth Day is coming up. Or it happened. I think it did happen. How'd you celebrate Earth Day? What'd you do? What'd you do? Did you litter? I hope not. I like how taking care of the environment is a debate. It's a political debate. That's almost funny. Because Earth Day was a holiday that some politician enacted. Maybe Carter? Sure, I'll say Carter. Why not? Don't fact check. Don't Google. President says, hey, it's Earth Day. We're going to have a holiday where we start taking care of the earth. And just like any president who says anything, someone's going to go, I don't like it. Mm, I don't like it. How's that a debate? Universal truths? Do we have universal truths? Like Can we all agree that basketballs are round? Probably not. If we can't agree that the earth is round, we're not agreeing about basketballs. Speaking of basketballs, you see, Steph? You see, Steph? If you're a Bay Area sports fan, that means you've witnessed anything from Ricky Henderson to Joe Montana to Jerry Rice to Barry Bonds. But can we all agree Steph's just the greatest thing we've ever been blessed with up here in the Bay Area? I was texting with some buddies, and they're like, "It's not even a debate anymore." If you watch Steph on a nightly basis, if you're watching Stephen Curry, we've had so many great players in so many sports, but no one's done this. We're watching godlike skills. Sports got legend. I'm talking about history book stuff beyond Babe Ruth. Yes, we teach Babe Ruth. We go through the twenties. Hey, and then the twenties, and then the Sultan of SWAT. To be a sports figure who gets into history books, oh my God, you got to be a big deal. Like Muhammad Ali level, I think Steph is there. And that's your Sports Minute. It's brought to you by the Boot Barn. Steel Toe, Suede, Uggs, Clarks, and Hungry Man. I think that's a TV dinner. Get on down to the boot barn for 40% off of your first pair of shoes and we'll throw in a Hungry Man TV dinner. No one's eating TV dinners on those TV trays. Tell them Josh sent you. And that's your sports minute. Me telling you that Steph Curry is very good at playing basketball. On to the Lakers we go. On to the Lakers we go. I don't know why I thought of this, but when I was a freshman at San Diego State, you didn't sign up for classes online. You actually called a hotline. And the guy whose voice it was, to add a class, press one. To remove a class, press two. His name was Paul Harvey, and I actually had him because I took a theater class. And he was a theater teacher there, and it was his voice on RegLine. This is before people were signing up for classes on the internet. I think I was just at the cusp of when that was the RegLine was going away, and people, of course, nowadays just sign up online. But Regline, you had a time. They would send you in the mail your time to call, and if you didn't hit that time, the classes would get packed, and you didn't have a chance to get that class you needed toward graduation. Which is why most San Diego State kids are there for like six, seven, eight years. To add history two o two two press seven. Oh, you pressed eight, you dumb motherfucker. To remove that class, hang up, get into your vehicle and drive all the way to El Cajon to add a class. So I think I was late to it, and I had to get a unit. There was just, you know, you have to have some units. Even if it's not gearing you towards your degree, mine was journalism, broadcast journalism, communications, I had to get a unit or two, so I signed up for a class I had never heard of called University Seminar. I honestly didn't know what this was. I was just going through the handbook real quick, looking for some units, and it's called University Seminar. I probably fit in my schedule Tuesdays, Thursdays, 8 a.m. And I go there the first day, And it's the actual chancellor and the actual provost of the entire university. This is my freshman year who are sitting there and university seminar means they're there to help you learn about the university. It's super redundant, super boring. It's something that could probably happen in five minutes, but it was a whole semester of Steve Weber and Nancy Marlin. Those are their real names. I think I'm right. Once again, don't Google it. Don't Google it. So Steve Weber and Nancy Marlin will come and fill this time with nothing, nothing much. Most people by that age can tell what a school is. Here are the classrooms. There's the parking lot. These are the professors. That's how tuition works. Get enough units, get a degree, and get the hell out of here. But they would bring donuts every day. Here's what I remember. This is so meaningless. If you're still listening, holy shit you probably need a hobby or something if you're still listening. But they would bring a big fat box of donuts, that pink box, lift it. Everyone would eat donuts and then they would make the joke, okay, okay, okay. Let's make sure you don't catch that freshman 15. Every single class, they would bring the donuts to get us fat and then say, all right, let's make sure you're all smart, not gaining that freshman 15. I had never even heard this term, the freshman 15. It's because the first time you leave your home, Or maybe mom, dad are doing the cooking and the grocery shopping. And then you come to San Diego State where it's just Los Ponchos, Trujillo's, uh, what is it? Oshi Sushi, Jack in the Box, Jack in the Box, Jack in the Box, 7-Eleven. Just a bunch of terrible food on display for you to jump into at all times. It's too exciting. And that's where this term freshman 15 comes from. But they kept saying it. Every week, you don't want to gain the freshman 15. And it almost was like a lecture. Like they were very serious. It went from like, we're bringing donuts, we're laughing, but really don't do this to yourselves. And I was thinking, that's interesting that the provost and the chancellor don't want us to get fat at this university. Why not? In retrospect, why not? Why not get that freshman 15? Why not go to college, get a little fat, get chunky, get a little doughy? Is there a better time in life when your metabolism is that? I think about it because I envy how I used to eat. I miss it. I used to supersize it. Extra cheese on that, deep fry it twice, and now you should see me at Trader Joe's. Uh, The asparagus, I'll find an employee. The asparagus over here, it's not organic, is it? Mm, Do you know when the organic asparagus is going to be on display? Oh, how boring am I? And what am I, fluctuating five, six pounds in either direction. But when you're about, what, what do you graduate high school, 18, 19, 20? Gain the, they should have changed the philosophy. Have so much fun with food. When you're 18, 19, 20, and I did. I don't think I gained the freshman 15 just because I was always at the ARC, the Aztecs Rec Center, working out. Metabolism was good. Plus, I guess you do want to still look good at that age. You don't just want to balloon up, but I was eating Jack in the Box at least twice a week. Don't tell me two Jumbo Jacks for two bucks and those tacos that are just oozing with American cheese. American cheese on a taco? That's right, Jack. It works. It just Works. And was I the guy who would eat a tuna sandwich from 7 Eleven, not looking at an expiration date? Yeah, I was. Would I eat sushi from a gas station? you damn right. Would I drink a Steel Reserve 211 in three sips? No doubt. Nowadays, if I drink a 211 Steel Reserve Malt Liquor 40, I'd have to take off work tomorrow. There's no doubt in my mind. I would be barfing into my own wall. And my girl would wake up reciting the planets. Well, there's Earth. There's French. There's, nope, we're off to a rough start. She'll be fine. My other daughter, to get her out the door is tough to get her dressed. You know what I'm talking about. Parents of young kids, it's tough to get them dressed. You got to incentivize it here. We'll put a little toy in this hand. We'll distract you with a little glitter here. We got a little video going on over here. Put on a song they like just to get clothes on their body. Sing that song they like. Sing that song they like. Here's a toy, distraction incentive. And I gave my little Remy a magic wand to get her out of the house. And she had a grip on that magic wand. And I get to the daycare door and the nice teacher says, we don't allow toys from outside. And I said, oh, here we go. I'm going to have to wrestle a magic wand out of this girl's hand. I'm going to have to wrestle. Remy has a grip that I've never seen on a kid. And I mean this. She's stronger than me. I don't know how this happened. These are like the -the over-the-top Stallone arm wrestling skills. By the way, arm wrestling, origin, Petaluma. That'll be the only thing you remember about this whole episode. Where was arm wrestling invented, Petaluma, truckers, competition. You can look that up. But Remy's grip is unreal, and I couldn't wrestle the magic wand. And the teacher's just watching me try. And she thinks I'm weak, and I'm like, no, have you ever tried to wrestle a magic wand? What do I mean a magic wand has glitter, and it's rainbowy and it looks fun? And why not let her just have it? Just let her have it. Okay, who cares what happens to that wand? But we don't bring toys from outside, so I rustle it. And I actually have to use all my muscle. Who knew that this kid has that kind of kung fu grip? And then I take the wand she melts down into a tantrum and that's how I leave her at daycare that day usually it's not that bad usually it's much better actually she loves it she loves the teachers and the friends but then I was just a grown man walking down the street with a magic wand and there were some neighbors and I didn't even try to hide it there were some neighbors just watching a grown-ass man with a magic wand walking down the street and I thought yep let them talk Let them talk. Let them make up their stories. Let them make up their narratives. Why does that man have a magic wand? Who is he? Which house does does he have a handler? Does he have someone to help him? Because if you're a grown man with a magic wand, people do have questions. They do have a lot of questions. Questions like, Why doesn't he eat figs? Oh, why don't I like figs? First of all, the Fig Newton is gross, but fig is a fruit. We have a fruit tree in our neighborhood, and it's like public. It's in one of those little alleyways, and my wife gets excited, and I kind of have to pretend that I care, but I don't. I hate figs so much. They taste so awful. Figs? My wife knows when they bloom, how they bloom, and all this shit, so I Googled it one day, and guess what? They're horror stories. They're horror movies. Do you know this? Female wasps die inside every fig that has ever existed. It's apparently their life's mission. This is, it's like beautiful too when you think about how our planet functions. But it's also just too nuts. And vegans want no part of this. The eggs, all right, I wrote this down. This is the one thing I wrote down about figs. The eggs become grubs that grow inside the seeds. After completing their full development in a few weeks, they emerge from inside the seeds. The males emerge first and start looking for females to mate with. That's all happening with every fig. Now, that's boring to some of you. You're like, "Why? Ca- Go back to the magic wand. What happened with the wand? But no, I did walk by the fig tree. While holding the magic wand. And that's when I wondered to myself. W- w- what's the excitement about? And there it is. There should be not only no excitement. But fear. Dead wasps inside every fig. And after they develop for a few weeks. They emerge from inside the seeds. And the males emerge. First. This is what you're eating? Oh boy. This is what you're eating. You fig lovers. So gross. I'm a fill a piñata with figs. Next time. Next time? There won't be no next time, as Marshall Mathers once told us. Marshall who? That's Eminem. How many rappers' real names do you know? Todd Shaw? Who's that? Calvin Broadus? Who's that? Aubrey Graham? Who's that? Sean Carter? Who's that? All right. Let's settle down like the end of a therapy session. All right. Let's kind of... Take it down a notch. Let's settle down. Let's calm down. So, next week, Tuesday, 2 p.m. work. Okay, bring that visa. If you've never been to a therapy session, the wind down part, like we're doing right now, we're going to wind down this episode. It's not easy. It's not easy because it was an experience, right? What we just had was an experience. And now we're winding down together, okay? I don't really know when I put these out anymore. You might be listening to this on a Monday. May is right around the corner. The month of May is wonderful. Here comes the sun, little darling. Here comes the sun, and I say it's all right. be da da dee 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 dee. Richie Haven's cover, so sweet. All right, so let's wind it down. One thing about tapering off the benzos is I need to calm down and chill, and I don't have that ability. I'm a pinball. I go and go and go. This brain doesn't stop. It creates insomnia. And I'm going to miss the benzodiazepines because I was sleeping well. I was like a purring cat. I wasn't getting triggered. I wasn't getting stressed or irritated or bothered. And now that I'm tapering off, every fucking thing is bothering. Just kidding. But I'm back. I'm back to that neurotic way of just, oh, no, someone's in my head. I even Googled last night how to reduce someone's impact when they get in your head. We all have someone who just occupies way too much space in our heads and we don't like it. And I found an article at Psychology Today and I went, oh, thank you, Internet, because all of these are great ways. But then you lapse back and go, but am I wired to really adhere to any of this advice or any of this guidance? And it goes back to learn how to grow, learn how to think. It's not just the content of that article, but learn how to apply things. And now we've learned something in Episode 2 one one i appreciate you listening drop a nice rating a review and my good folks i'll talk to you soon